a vegan from Texas, born in 1952. Oh yeah. His first role was as Apollo Creed's bodyguard in Rocky. Oh yeah. He is a licensed pilot and also probably the awesomest guy on this show. Oh yeah. It's time to start the show that is fuck fuck yeah, all time all time undefeated great, Michael Dorn is on set. Hello and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition podcast where we will be going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the greatest fucking show with Klingons in it and all this other stuff. It's it's legit great again. Yeah, fuck fuck the haters. This show's the best. <laughs> right. With me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hello, how we doing? I'm doing well. Uh, my name is Wade Bowen, and yes, we're back into it. We're jumping back in after our, our White Album and whatnot. We're getting into Season 4, also known as The Good Shit. The Good Yes, we're talking about... Well, this is basically a movie, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah. This is, uh... this is an hour and 33 minutes. It's the first episode of Season 4. It is entitled The Way of the Warrior. And it originally aired on October 2nd, 1995. And if you guys want, uh, the IMDb description is as follows. Cisco becomes uncomfortable when the Klingons station a task force to help defend against the Dominion. Worf is summoned to find out their true intentions. Yeah, that's that's all pretty understated and really doesn't go over what happens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But luckily, we at the rule of, <laughs> Rules of Acquisition are going to go over every plot point and uh and then break down this episode for you yeah okay guys i mean the cat's out of the bag this we we all think this is pretty fantastic so yeah right. oh my god yeah this yeah. is uh, any overarching <laughs> yeah. thoughts you want to give anybody want to fire away with it or as one fan put it it's new theme new wharf cisco hair no more <laughs> a lot of awesome changes in season four uh, i really fucked up the meter on that i'm sorry dude but, uh, <laughs> was that a couplet <laughs> that, that was that, that was a yeah he has nine couplets all right now uh this fucking thing man this was uh this i don't know after reading behind the scenes on season four today it took me aback a little bit that how, how resistant they were to some of these changes that was made in the show oh yeah the writers because like I don't know, man. Like this is the fucking shit, man. This is this nailed it. Right. Well, everything. I felt like everything was perfect. okay. So what? What are you talking about? For they were a little bit resistant. What? What, what were the problems you were talking? What, about? What was it? They just were like, it's this Rick Berman asshole telling us we have to throw this TNG guy in here. Yeah. And I don't want to tell me how to run my show, bringing this guy in. Like, but they're bringing in the best guy, and it's and after the fact, they'll they'll all be like, okay. So wait a minute. You're talking about Dorn? You're talking about Michael Dorn? Yeah. They didn't want Michael Dorn? Yeah. Who didn't, specifically? Iris, Stephen Bear, uh, none of them did. Yeah. What? Uh, it was... They had the whole Dominion arc plotted out, and then they had these people come in and dictate what the season had to be, and it, it threw a wrench in their works for what they thought they were working on. Yeah, like, okay, so the, the ratings were pretty shitty for season three, and basically they just said, look, we already have a, another Star Trek show up and running. This show's... What are you doing? And basically, Rick Berman came to Iris and Bear and said, you, you're, you're writing Michael Dorn into the show. And uh, everyone just kind of hated that. And I think they hate it because, you know, you're just kind of against someone telling you what to do. Mm -hmm. And they were like, well, we're not doing anything with Michael Dorn. Like, we like what we like. And they're like, well, you ain't getting ratings. So then it became the cast got really irritated. 
because, you know, obviously you're bringing on a fan favorite, a pre-established series, a character from a pre-established series. So they all feel like that it's going to, they feel like they're about to get urkled. <laughs> right. Yeah. That it's about to become the Worf spinoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a legit concern. They they ain't wrong. <laughs> yeah, they ain't wrong. Yeah, they were legit concerned. And then they all felt that Avery Brooks was going to react poorly to it. And Avery Brooks just said, then I get to cut my hair. Because apparently that was in his contract that he had to have hair. Oh. I don't know. Paramount's fucking stupid. <laughs> right. And and so he's like, then I cut my hair. And to read Avery Brooks talk about it, he's legit uncomfortable with hair. Oh, yeah. Like, I think that he really embodies like a certain sort of, I don't know. Like, I think that he he felt like that he was. And I think it's man, like. Man, I was playing Hawk for years. That man's a badass, and that's who I am. I'm a shaft badass <laughs> when I play these kind of things, and then like you turned me into like you know <laughs> whatever you turned me into like space the school principal. He's just, yeah, the school principal basically. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Like I don't want to be your Bill Cosby. Oh, that has a whole different meaning nowadays. Sorry. And so and so in this negotiation, I felt like not that I think that Cisco not having hair makes him awesome, but I think that Avery Brooks. Acting without hair is like a degree of awesome more. Yeah, I mean. And I think that it's because he feels comfortable in his own skin. He's got hair dysmorphia. I don't know. <laughs> oh, but like he feels more comfortable this way. So he can fully embrace a certain type of character. And I think so in these scenes where like, let's see, like we can get to it later. But with this scene with Martok and, and Worf and the, the first scene between the three. Cisco's the baddest motherfucker in that room. It's no illusion. Yeah. And I don't know if it would have felt that way in season one or two. No, not in Move Along Home for instance. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, because like by the end of that scene, you're like, no, Cisco's the real threat here. You know, so I think that like you in one, I feel like I understand why they felt like they were getting shit on, but they were given this sort of golden opportunity and they wrote, I mean, just spoiler, they wrote like the second best episode of the show. Like, you know, maybe. I mean, to me, the most of the second. I mean, like, it's up there. Yeah, yeah. Depending on how you feel about Duet or The Visitor, those kind of like emotional sort of. Yeah. Like, well, this shows. is a 90 minute episode. This is ostensibly a Deep Space Nine movie. Yes. And if you look at it as such, you're going to, I think you're going to be pretty happy with what you end up with. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah, it's so let's get into the intro a little bit, because I feel like the intro we had four we had four scenes right at the top that felt like they could have been the opening episode, like the opening of a normal episode. Yeah. Like if you separate them out. Oh, yeah. They feel like uh, they could have been the opening. Uh, We had. Yeah. The Cassidy Yates, Cisco Sex Vibes. Uh, right, right, yeah. What's mm. that Beck song? <laughs> well, <laughs> what is it? Uh, wait, I, something, from, something from Midnight Vultures. Uh, from his, something from Midnight Vultures. Yes, he knows what I'm talking about. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. If somebody could overlay the Beck Midnight Vultures with that opening Cassidy <laughs> Yates scene, I would the, appreciate I that. Get- not that I want to get with you and your sister, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, but yeah, yeah. If your sister plays second base, uh, yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> if, you're, yeah, if, you're, if your sister plays second, 
I'll steal home <laughs> for the Pike City Pioneers. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, no, it's a uh, yeah. yeah it starts dramatic from there. You think they've been invaded and they're they're doing a a drill for looking for changeling or whatever, and then the mm-hmm. yeah, and that, the date where like oh she rubs his head like I like it like yeah you like uh, some things are worth waiting for is what Cisco says and like. Yep, he's right. Yep, yep. <laughs> he gave her Tholian silk. She gave him a baseball cap. <laughs> right, you know, wrapped in the, in the finest of magic eye material. <laughs> yes. And then you have the then you have the introduction of my second favorite character in all of Star Trek, Martok. I love Martok oh, so much. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like it's the Megvar. Uh, no, 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 Martok uh, is. I don't want to overtalk. I love Martok a lot. I do too. I, I do too. Him. I'm I'm on board. Not, I, not his wastrel son, not so much. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you cannot take from someone. That, that, right. You cannot take honor from someone. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. The the Megvar shows up the new flagship. Yes, and they're like, "Welcome!" And then he's, "Shall we talk?" <laughs> and then the whole fleet def- cloaks. Oh yeah, get ready for a lot of Klingon down here. I'm gonna. S- yeah, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of Klingon, including a a a come on line. Oh yeah. Look, a Jichimtala. A great Klingon come online. Yeah, no, um, no, it's uh, it's it's fabulous, and like the, the intro was great, and then much to my surprise, once the credits are rolling, they shortened their credits. Oh my god! Too. Oh, yeah. Did you watch <laughs> the credits? They're so much better. Like, yeah, I, so- I haven't seen I haven't seen the credits in three years, guys. Oh, I, I've yeah, I do that every every year. Yeah, I, I usually do, I but I I went through the trouble because there's like there's shit going on in the credits because yeah, those are the most fucking boring credit sequences. Yeah, there's ships flying around. They throw little people in. There's survival. <laughs> There's construction crews. They've got the Defiant and others. It's like, oh yeah, it's a busy spaceport, assholes. Why don't we show that in the fucking credit sequence? Yeah, like, yeah, like the idea that their intro for three years is probably one of the reasons of their head. <laughs> like all of these things, like them having ratings issues, I think is a really good thing for the show because it forces them. Like I think that their instinct and in reading about the writers room, their instinct is to be not lazy but precious about the material. Oh yeah. And so they don't make a lot of changes. I think they were content. They wanted to make, tell the, finish the story with the characters that Michael Pillar created. And you know, no, like fuck, fuck, fucking mix it up. Like always be mixing it up. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the defiance not going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, so the defiant, I mean, the Def- dominion isn't going anywhere. So you don't have to like, like make it more complicated. And I think that they, they're so critical of, the Klingon plot and the Worf stuff. Yeah. Well, this is the this is the old bull and the young bull story. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like you're you're saying that that the writers are like wanting to be the young bull and go down like run down the valley. <laughs> yeah. And screw one of them, and the old bull says, "Why don't we walk down the valley and screw them all?" <laughs> well, yeah. And so, yeah. 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 Like we can screw them. And it's also them saying that you can. You know, people aren't maybe aren't watching the show because you're not. I mean, we've had a lot of complaints about season every season. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I mean, spoiler alert, like season four is generally, you know, it's it's pretty damn put together. Yeah. From a storytelling perspective, if you go look at what, what, what's coming up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of tight, tight shit like they they got their shit right. And to read them bitch about having to have this obstacle, you know, like that's what a good producer does. And it reminds me of something that, like, that, like I've complained about with you guys before, probably not on this podcast, 
about this new sort of DIY culture because the internet and technology makes everything so simple that everybody can just kind of do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, like music is now just made by people who just, you know, can record it on their computer with a minimal amount of extra equipment. They don't have to have recording studios and A&R men and, you know, and producers. Right, right, right. People and, can just have, like, like, podcasts about TV shows. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. literally. Any fucking asshole can talk about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And we've spent maybe $100 <laughs> on this. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, so, like, none of this, like, you can do all this kind of stuff and now, and it doesn't really cost anything, and you can get an audience. And, like, you know, Frank, Frank Ocean or Kendrick Lamar can put out an album every five months. And it goes back to, like, those editors... Those producers, those people that like looked at numbers and then came back and told you like, you know, maybe you need to like tighten it or edit it. You know, George Martin had stuff to tell the Beatles. Right. Like he was right. (laughs) A lot of times he probably wasn't wrong. And, you know, they were the talent. But, you know, stipulations, critiques, notes. Oh, it it goes. Demands. Yeah. Builds up a story. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes all the way back to uh, TNG and and all those restrictions that Gene Roddenberry put on the writers team about (laughs) (laughs) that y'all hate so much about like, oh, the the humanities evolved and gets along with itself. But yeah. (laughs) Okay. But I think that there's something to Paramount. (laughs) I get your point. But I think there's something to Paramount saying, look, people aren't watching the show. And that Iris Stephen Bear, and, and I get it. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I like to fancy myself a creative man, and I get it. And I get that Ira, Iris Stephen Bear and Ronald D. Moore want to say, well, you tell them to go fuck off. We're in the trenches, man. We're writing, we're creating, yeah. we're building this thing, and we're happy with what we're doing. And I get that. But nobody's watching it. So maybe put Michael Dorn in your show because Michael Dorn is fucking amazing <laughs> and he's a fan favorite and you get to build off of his history to build, meld in. Like, there's a lot of things you could do. Yes, you can do it bad. You can just start writing shows for Michael Dorn all damn day and it could become, you could Urkel the show. But <laughs> you cannot do that and write Way of the Warrior. Right, right. And it's amazing. Yeah, there so. are moments in this show, or this two, these, I guess it's two episodes technically, but where it aired as one and then they split it in two with two different. Yeah, yeah. There's two fake names for right, it. Right. Yeah. But I mean, there are certain like acts or whatever or blocks where it's like, oh, this just turned into the Wharf show. But by the end of it, like everybody gets their moment you know yeah oh yeah yeah and i almost think that like they took forever to get Worf onto the show which is yeah perfect yeah yeah it's not until like half an hour in or more that he shows up yeah yeah you know they, they it opens up and then julian and bashir are just doing a trick with with uh whatever with some salty peas yeah yeah that yeah, the, yeah. That the or, lady that the lady ferengi oh yeah discovered. oh yeah you're right i did i didn't even put that together yeah it's the whatever fleas or peas <laughs> yeah yeah, and then Julian has some yamak sauce to go with his snow peas or whatever. Mm. It's like, oh, he's been hanging out with Garrick. He's gotten a taste for Cardassian food. Yeah, they're they're men of the world. Yeah, yeah but everybody agrees up. Cardassian food sucks. Or but, whatever. You know, Garrick's boyfriend turned him on to something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And oh, they, and that that they, scene that scene in the infirmary. They were clearly flirting. Oh, I they're <laughs> like I don't see how. <laughs> oh, this whole the whole episode. Bar- Gar- I mean, Bashir is like advocating for his man you know <laughs> like, i don't know why they don't why are you not pressing charges on these <laughs> <laughs> what would have been perfect is there's a, finally a scene where they play off something that happened in the dice cast where you know odo and garrick are having like a breakfast oh together. yeah they're having their breakfast yeah, yeah. and I, it would have been a scene as they're walking away like bashir was there and he's like 
So you're having breakfast without them now? <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I'd say things like, oh my God, it's it's opening here. I mean, it's not. there's been like 20 minutes of opening so far Yeah, because this is an epic episode. But it's like, he's he's not having dinner with Bashir. He's, and he, he can talk to Odo about things he can't talk to Bashir about because they're like, they're like trading tips and stuff on their intelligence gathering stuff. And it's like, well, you know, hey, Julian, don't, don't worry about it. There's just some things that I get out of Odo that you can't provide me, but I still love you most. Don't, don't worry about it. Yeah. And Julian's got uh, O'Brien. So they both have yeah, yeah. like their side pieces. <laughs> so they don't have to worry about things. Yeah. It's great. They're evolved. Hey, 24th century humanity's evolved with, over this petty shit. They're fine. Yeah. They keep it pretty chill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah, not, yeah. They, let's not put a defined terms and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Let's not put a lot of labels. That's what makes it work is that they're not having to put a lot of labels on things. <laughs> right, right, right. This is an hour and a half episode, and we're t- spending ten minutes talking about Garrick and Bashir and their <laughs> inferred relationship, which is fine with me. <laughs> this is if I had my druthers, this is what this is what it would the, the podcast would be about. No, yeah. um well we can talk about So and we also have some actual we have unfortunately they decided to, to expand on the Dax Kira friendship. <laughs> but they have to do it in in silly dresses. And yeah. you know, and the con- and they actually delve into a little bit of the trauma that yes. Kira had to endure as a child. Yeah, yeah. I used to make believe the Cardassians would stop killing the Bajorans and just go. And, away. You know, th- that scene should have been in the third episode. Yeah, like there's no reason why that Hollow Suite. Like it was- Kira hates the Hollow Suite, and I understand it's taken them three seasons to get her into one. <laughs> But it didn't have to take three seasons to get her into one. You could have had this telling conversation about her childhood trauma and how it it stunted her imaginative growth. And it would have been very revealing. Yeah. But yeah, that was a fantastic. You mean like revealing like those two gay porn models that wanted her to go have sex with? No. Okay. So here's one of the things that occurred to me during that scene. Is that the first, one of the things they did in the first act, by we're talking about how everybody's getting a moment. I also think that this show does kind of work as like a soft reboot. Oh, yeah. They're reintroducing all the characters. Yes. So Kira, the point of that scene is to point that Kira is a PTSD, conservative, stick in the mud, unyielding kind of person that's struggling with adapting to this new liberal world. And I think that of peace or of relative peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of of auto- of freedom and 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 all of those things. So she's she doesn't like being kissed because she's a married woman. So she's. I mean, they they sort of overdid it to where she's like Ted Cruz's wife in this whole episode. <laughs> but like, even with her haircut, <laughs> she's got a very. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. And my wife is like, what did they do to her hair? Yeah. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not like Cisco's calling her mother. It's not that bad. <laughs> no, 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 it's not. But like, she doesn't like to be massaged, you know. And 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 I feel like they went, they made Dax go super Dax, which is perfect. Yeah, that's what, what I always wanted from Dax. Like, anyway, it's the best Dax, yeah. but like this sexually aggressive cocksure. Yeah, right, right. Like, <laughs> come to the Huba Stink Baths of Trill. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Huba like, yeah. But it's like, oh, they're on, the, they're they're on the Huba Stink planet. Yeah, the Huba. Yeah, and like you know, comes in with these two like shirtless dudes on her arms, and like you know, and yeah, yeah. why you what you know, and I guess that it's about massages, but you know, it's about like why <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. why don't you have sex with these fake bots? <laughs> right. And Kira's just not into the sex with the fake bots, and then Kira's embarrassment with uh, Worf later on because they they pay it off later. Yeah, yeah. 
So, I mean, I think that they have to reintroduce everybody. Yeah. And so I think it's because they're expecting that there's a lot of people that were saying, I'm not watching that fucking DS9. It's boring and, and slow. Right, but right. Warf, Warf is on there. Well, I'm a... Yeah, all right. Let me try that tricky, out. Yeah. yeah so, they should, so that it was yeah. for all the new Warf viewers. Yeah. It's a more diverse DS9. There's like, I, I don't know. I spotted a black Bajor in, in the extras. In the, oh, really? Oh. Yeah, yeah. And spoilers, uh, there's a black Bajor next episode as well. But, I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then we've seen a couple anyways. But, I mean, it's just nice to yeah, that they, see that yeah. other diversity and other alien races other than humans. <laughs> they have melanin variations, too. Right, right. They should do that with Andorians because every Andorian has the same, like, Shade of blue yeah. or the bully, and this one should be it. deep purple. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. one should be deep. Yeah, like in or fuchsia, or yeah. Why, why is everybody why did the darker ones stay to themselves? Well, we enslaved them for centuries, it was really <laughs> it was uncomfortable. Pretty bad. We don't talk about it, okay? <laughs> Everybody's cool, right? Yeah, like you're just, I didn't mean to step on any cultural <laughs> landmines here. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to see an alien race in Star Trek that's more culturally diverse than humans. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah, that I mean, guy's got a shell? Like, that's not as... No, that's 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 like my husband. Don't be a dick. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, they need to... Like, that That would be nice. You're right. That's something that... But they're, you know, they're not... Yeah. They're not making more Star Trek. <laughs> I mean, they are, but... Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, they're genetically determined to, to, to smell death, right. not to, like... <laughs> right. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, and then where are we at? We're... There's a bully and then the stall. Yeah, then there's more. Then a lot of Klingons. Yeah, the, the Klingons are on the station. They're they're making not enough noise. It's quiet. Too quiet. Yeah, that was a good scene. Yeah, yeah. I like that that had funny beats. This episode may have been had more comedy beats than a lot of. Yeah, yeah. For a big dramatic episode. Like, okay, we complain that they're trying to be funny because they do broad comedy but like just the little stuff like julian like he's like you know quark says to julian that it's too quiet and so julian's like well let me go talk to him and see whether it's <laughs> yeah, like quiet yeah. no, shut up. and then quark is right. like shut out and like don't worry about it don't you know don't act like you worry about it and he's like okay all right and like he goes back to doing what he's doing he's like no worry about it but don't act like you're worried yeah yeah right and then so, more the klingons are given more in a hard time they're like, oh, I, I just mourn lore. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you're mm-hmm. real, f- you're pretty far from the Firelight Nebula. I was like, oh, that's where where mourns come from. Ah, yeah. And then uh, Julian or somebody goes up, or Garrick or whoever. It's like everything okay? And or Odo, I guess doesn't matter. Lordzostle Chaku Zonchatal, because him and Garrick are coming from their breakfast or whatever. And it's like, um, and Garrick is like, I don't believe that odo has a mother i don't know yeah i actually have the i have actually uh oh, you have the memory alpha does translation i thought maybe you it's, might have does your mother let you talk to men is what he asked the, huh. what he asked odo so okay that's weird yeah <laughs> does your mother let you talk to adult men like okay. or, or like you know like right right yeah so are you a stranger or are you a little he's calling him a little boy i guess yeah 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 so that's all i got yeah, that's cool so they, uh, the Klingons just say that they're there to help protect from all the shit that happened in the last episode. All oh, yeah, of the, yeah. the, you know, like the, the changelings are everywhere theory. And, and then they go to Garrick's shop and. Hey, basically they just, they just lost their damn mind at that. The fact that the dominion is a thing. Yeah. And yeah. That, that yes. Basically that's, that's mm-hmm. all there is to it. Look, look, the dominion is a thing in the alpha quadrant and the Klingons can't like 
they just lost they just their damn can't. mind over it. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah, and I, they, actually they're gonna come conquer us. No, uh, we're gonna go conquer. Uh, we're fucking Klingons. You can't. If anybody's gonna be doing the conquering, we're gonna jump on in front of it. That's actually th- and it puts Cardassia in a weird position. Yeah. 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 I mean, we can let the cat out of the bag. They're there. Yeah. To, go ahead. Yeah. We're there to like. Yeah. They're there to like just invade Cardassia. Right. It takes Worf a lot more time to figure that out. But yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. we got a limited time on this podcast. <laughs> we got to talk about like we got to talk about like Garrick and gay sex, and we got we got to move on. <laughs> yeah. The important things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, so they're going to invade Cardassia because I guess Cardassia's had like something akin to a Bolshevik revolution. Right. Well, it's and... been set up with the Dias cast even when. The Obsidian Order went in to destroy. Yeah, it got destroyed, and then the and then it's been three seasons in the background of uh, the civilian population rising up against the military government. Yeah, and it finally paid off. Except yeah, the Casablanca episode and the yeah 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 second scan episode. Yeah, yep. The Destiny episode. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, so like they're gonna invade them because they believe that this Bolsheviks, re- they, they believe that whatever the Cardassian Lenin is, he's a changeling. Yeah, and they they don't really they're not really clear about what they're. Well, they're like the civilian government couldn't they couldn't have pulled off this coup without help. Yeah, and there's some dispute like maybe they could have, but oh maybe they, maybe they did. Even Odo in a board meeting is like, well, I mean, if, if the Dominion were gonna come in. That's exactly how they would do it. So, I mean, the Klingons ain't pulling this completely out of their asses. Here. Yeah, they're, and they even have a scene where the DS9 cast is sort of debating on whether this is even possible. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, like, is it O'Brien and Kira? Yeah. Are both kind of like, no, I actually think that maybe the Klingons <laughs> have a point. Right, right. And, well, and then, and then Kira's like, well, fuck it. I mean, they're, they'll go after the Federation maybe next. Yeah. And then um, Odo or Garrett or whoever else is like, oh, that's cute. No, they're, they're going to fuck up Bajor <laughs> before they get to the Federation. Yeah. And she's like, oh, okay. And I like that. I like everything about the way Worf is written in this episode. Because I will get into this and we can unpack this and I can talk about it at length later. Worf is like my favorite character in all of Star Trek, period. Yeah, you've mentioned like that. Like more than, more than Spock, more than anything. Wow. So everything on here, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a homer. I think he's amazing. I think that Michael Dorn grows into, like, like I'm not going to, if we were doing a podcast about the next generation, the first <laughs> seasons, that'd have been pretty hard on Michael Dorn. Worf, shut but, up! <laughs> Worf, yeah. no! <laughs> yeah. The, the first season is just a supercut of Picard saying, Worf, no. <laughs> yes. Right? Over and over. And it's not Michael Dorn's we fault. We should kill them, right? No, Worf. Bad Worf. Bad Worf. <laughs> no, and it's a pretty base. I mean, there's lots of problems. But, like, as it goes on, and specifically as Ronald D. Moore is sort of allowed to take over the character and take over Klingon culture, that becomes a really interesting thing to me because he's the first character with an internal life that um, is based on conflict. Yeah, I mean, they try to do that with Spock, but none of that ever works with Spock. The conflict stuff. It never took. Yeah, Spock is great for a lot of other reasons, but this like internal conflict between a man between two natures, all that shit, like I don't know, none of, none of that. It was there, but it wasn't like the reason to love him. Right. But like with Worf, it's so well done and so internalized. And in this episode specifically, because he's, you know, he's found out this horrible thing about the Klingons, he's about to leave yeah, well, the Federation to j- rejoin the Klingon culture fully. But he has this like last detail 
but his honor binds him to right, to, you right. Know, so he can't. Yeah, well, like Star Trek, the movie, uh, what is it, Generations, where they the Enterprise gets destroyed. Yeah, and he's fucked up over the Enterprise getting destroyed, and it's unsaid. But also, I assume his relationship with a certain ship's counselor has just re- went tits up. Oh yeah, so to speak. Uh, yeah. So his first love died. His second love, like, went back to her first love. <laughs> right. And his home died. It was destroyed. And he's been in this monastery on board. Yeah, so, like, this idea of him, like, leaving. And he's in the same place that Cisco was in, which is used to great effect in the show. Great effect. Right. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost... He's, well, wait a minute. Now, he had some problems within the Klingon culture that, were, that weren't resolved, Right. Well, no, they were I, pretty. Are, they were pretty resolved by the end because he had because yeah. okay. Galron was his political like because there That's was right. a whole. Gal, he was he was on the outs for a while. Yeah, with and then they was they resolved that in the yeah. next generation. Galron even yeah. talks yeah. about it when he shows up right. later on. That's He's right. Like, mm-hmm. I restored you to your house and gave your family a seat yeah. on the council. And this, yeah, Galron's great. Galron owns his presidency. Like, like he's the yeah yeah. Yeah, well, like, I think Wade could do Galron in the animated series That was that was really good. <laughs> I'm going to be the yeah. James Doohan of the animated series. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I definitely think he could. I, <laughs> oh, oh, just wait. Oh, I've written down more Galron stuff here when we when I find it in my book. Did you know that James Doohan was pivotal to, to the foundation of Klingon language? Really? Like he wrote all of the lines in the animated series. No, Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Hmm. That were in Klingon. Oh, and that's which what was then used then was used by a linguist into turning it into the full language. Wow. But James Doohan wrote the guttural sort of structure, and he put more thought into it than than nothing. <laughs> <laughs> like so, he put more thought in it than no thought. You know, so he is. I didn't know that until this weekend. Yeah, wow. but and the more more you learn about that James Doohan, James Doohan, man, he's like. A, He's also the Zelig. Yeah. He's the Zelig of Star Trek. He's a real, he does everything, man. He kills Nazis. He was fucking <laughs> war hero. Like, it was amazing. <laughs> but anyways, in that scene, going back to the drawing room scene where they're debating on what the, the Klingons are doing, Worf is, he's like, you know, he's kind of like, he's kind of like James 2016. He's like, no, I think, fuck it. I think the Klingons are going to shit. Like, I think they're alts. Alt Klingons, like I think they're alt right Klingons. Like I think that they're, you know, people want to fight now, right? And, right. I, and I think they're scared, and I think they've lost their minds, and I think they want to fight, and I don't think they're reasonable. And I think the people that I liked, people that I installed or helped install, I think they're in, ir, unreasonable too. Yeah. And well, so I, he he was oddly on the this shit is this shit is dangerous side. Right. Well, I think this is. I mean, it's a if it's different writers to some degree than TNG Warf. And I think it's from his trauma and everything. He it's it's a more badass like it's not a wharf that's uh, pussyfooting around with humanity anymore. He's gone to this uh, monastery in Boreth. Mm-hmm. He's not dating um, uh, Troy anymore. He's like full Klingon. He's gonna he can get drunk with an old Klingon and sing and bash heads and not be like meek about it like mm-hmm. he always was in TNG when he was around other Klingons. You know. Yeah, he's you're saying he was almost apologetically. Klingon whenever he was like he almost had to be I see I see what yeah, you're saying well they've yeah. really played with that with his feet into culture thing in TNG a lot more and this one he's like I mean sure well like you know he's introduced as like Cisco says 
Well, and well, Dax is also great, and she gives good advice when she's like, "What's going on? The man, the Klingons are here. What the fuck?" Well, and then she's like, "All right, you got to act on. I know Klingons. You got to act on this shit fast, yeah. or it's gonna things gonna get out of control." And he's like, "You're right." Curzon always told me, "Is like only thing that can handle a Klingon is another Klingon." I have an idea, and then we get the awesome shot of you know just starting at the feet and panning up and like. It's Worf, oh my god. Yeah, it's Worf. Metal Worf. And then, um, I guess this isn't that spoiler. I mean, they, they do a lot with the Dax. They they even start doing the Dax and Worf stuff uh, in this episode. Right, Where yeah. Dax is sort of a... Um, they come in, they do the Lancelot thing. Yeah. Kira's the husband joking or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That Kira comes out and she has a meat. Not cute with, right. well, with Worf. For a second, I thought they were setting up even almost to be a Kira and Worf thing. Yeah, like, like it was a full. Oh, that would have actually been interesting. <laughs> it would have been weird, but yeah, it was. Oh, that would have been. Because, like, she's the repressed one. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Her and Worf have that in common. And she's kind of, she's giving him some eyes when he comes in. That's interesting. But yeah, yeah that, obviously. But then, that's what, a, that's yeah, that, that would have been. That would have been super interesting, I think. But you know what? I think were they were they going to kill off Kira because she got stabbed to hell, she got all to hell in this, and it looked like they were setting it up where Worf could have been second in command and Kira could have just been straight up killed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that was going to be in a in an early draft. Uh, no, I didn't read anything about that. But I mean, I think I. I could you see that? Can you I could see it? I, I could see that. I could see that, and I could see Nana Visitor thinking that when she got the script. <laughs> yeah, like uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Page forty, she gets knifed. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, I told yeah. you he was gonna urkel me. <laughs> well, you gotta make yeah. If you're yeah, I could see her thinking that <laughs> like, she's the odd. Yeah, like oh my god, person out. She's gonna Raven Simone me, and I'm Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but Dax gets the like a line off that they play cute with, and don't ever tell you about. But uh, because on Memory Alpha, she says a line to Worf that makes Worf blush. He goes, uh, she says, Curzon <laughs> is, is important in my culture. Oh, yeah. And she goes, yeah, but he's, I'm a lot better looking than him, right? Ah. Is what she says. And then. And it makes him nervous. Yeah, because I, I, I wrote that down and I didn't get the translation. But, yeah. But uh, they're like, what did you just say? And she's like, oh, well, it loses something in the translation. It's like, no, it doesn't. You just didn't want <laughs> people to know you were flirting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna mention. I, I probably should mention this in a later episode, but I'm gonna talk about this now. Like, it seems like in the next generation, they they act. Worf actually comes out and says that he can't fuck normal women, right? He can't fuck Earth women. Uh, they do kind of hit that, like it would break them. I think he out and out says yeah. that like they yeah. can't take it. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, so our trills, trills, or hey. Mater Sterner stuff, <laughs> I guess. Um, if you got a if you got a swamp worm living in your guts, I guess you kind of have to be yeah. <laughs> right. Yes, it takes a a, a stronger, a stronger yeah. Well, I mean, string. I don't know. He was with Troy, and she's basically just human physique too. So that's what I was. Yeah, because I, yeah, I think they forgot she is. He was gentle. Like right. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was never. But, yeah, we know that Dax likes it rough. Spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can tell in the fight scenes, and they they keep doing that. These sparring prob like. They spar in multiple episodes even before they're... All right, so we were talking about... Basically, <laughs> we're, t- we're trying to move along with what happens with every character in this episode. And it's a lot to pack in. Oh, yeah. But basically, the, yeah. the, eventually, Cisco has to go save Dukat and has to save the yeah. count, like the surviving council members of the Cardassia political... 
coalition. I don't even know what they're yeah, called. The deep, the the deep, the the, uh, the Soviet. The, sorry, the, the the Topa Council. Yes. Well, in in order to do that, he's got to do some shady stuff. And so, did you guys keep track of all the shady stuff that Cisco had to do in this episode? And by my count, there was like four different things that he had to break. <laughs> Four different uh, rules that he well, had. Well, there's, there's like the ship, the debris field of dead Kardashian ships. That's one, yes. The Bashir's like, there's going to be survivors. He's like, I'm not taking this cloak off. It's like, it's, yeah, that's mm-hmm. a trap. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> like that's a, one. And the other one was the fantastic scene where he calls Garrick in with his tailor. Oh, oh, yeah. To yeah. leak the information, which is basically how every, and for every, like the Washington Post. And the New York <laughs> Times basically gets all their information. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. The White House Taylor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, and then there's the um when Cassidy Yates's ship gets stopped by the Klingons and they're gonna be boarded. And he has to f- threaten to fire on Klingons, which are yeah. Federation piece. Right, yeah. Okay, right. that's three. And then the fourth thing is the actual usage of the cloak in the Alpha Quadrant. Yes. And, oh yeah, yeah. And so that's like so it's like an almost every act and that's just kind of like a four act it's weird it's not like a straight up three act no no uh, story right. it's more like it's like it's quartered it's more like you know four acts mm-hmm. and every single one almost to a beat we see a different cisco who has to play by a different set of morality that's not straight up uh black and white no yeah yeah he's put he's putting some um you know tough situations got to make a call and and he does. Well, and it makes a more interesting trek, is, is oh, my yeah, point. Totally, that, totally. That's, yeah, that's yeah. the point I was leading up to, is that <laughs> like it makes that's... a more more interesting... Yeah. He's full Cisco. He goes, I mean, like, yeah. instead of changing... We're talking about changing directions and things that they got to add. Right. That's kind of what I'm leading up to. One of the smart things that they did is that they went deeper. Like, he's more Cisco. Yeah, yeah. Like, that we've been talking about in, like, this break, rule breaker kind of, like... He's not like a hard Federation guy. He's a shades of gray guy and he's full shades of gray here. And I, and I, I wanted, like, I liked to see Michael Dorn be around that. I wish they had a getting, maybe a gotten a little more time to have Michael Dorn sort of chafe under that because he is such a rules guy. Wharf, I guess, not Michael right, Dorn. Right. And um but like no, Michael Dorn too. He does he plays, every <laughs> everything Paramount wants, he's does it by the book, yes. <laughs> yeah. But like uh you know <laughs> But not CBS, go. they don't pay shit. <laughs> I'm just one laugh. No. Yeah, so but um I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of his uncomfortability with that, but I think it was the way it was the the story was structured, he was always welcomed it because yeah, it, well the way the story was structured, it's like because he was there's he, no there's no even for Cisco there's no Picard way to answer these questions. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, but I think that Picard would have been like turn the cloak off, save the people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or like we can't use this cloak. It's or not good. use the clo- yeah. don't use the cloak at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we made a promise to the Rob. Yes, it was the Romulans, yeah. but still we made the promise. Yeah, right. So, and he would have <laughs> he would have kicked Garrick off the station like years ago, probably. Yeah. Too. yeah. Oh my God, I'm just thinking about how awful. How awful Deep Space Nine would be if Picard was <laughs> running the place. <laughs> yeah, the, Picard, this is not a Picard detail. It would have been insufferable. <laughs> There's, get the, uh, yeah. Well, that goes back to my to my uh, argument that Picard is actually the worst captain. But that's that's a different story. That's true. 
highlighted in like, the movie not, not, Nemesis. Not the worst. Not the worst. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Dune not buggies. the worst. Not the worst character, but the worst. Like actually, uh, as a yeah. cat, like in his job, um, he's surrounded by the best people, and he's got the best stuff, and he has the best like uh, details. Like you know, mm-hmm. so. And probably Therefore, the best actor playing him, and all you know, like yeah, Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart's got chops. <laughs> yeah, he 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 K. He's all right. He K. Yeah, like yeah. So the, Picard's got the best. Yeah, no, and so I like that. But I felt like that that Worf was always somewhat like he was always put in a position position where position. That's my <laughs> new word. <laughs> no, um, he was always put in a position where he had to appreciate what Cisco was doing yeah. as opposed to sort of chafing at it. You're right. Well, after serving under Picard for so long, maybe it, it was probably like, oh yeah, you c- there's there's a different way to do these things. Yeah. Fuck, <laughs> fuck the cloak. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. He's uh, uncomfortable. They, he does have that moment when he's first on the Defiant and we're like, you okay there? He's like, I'm not used to. Uh, yeah, uh, I've never been in a Federation ship under a cloak before. I mean, yeah, he's been in Klingon ships with a cloak before. He's fine there, but he does feel weird about it. Yeah, yeah, it is sort of like this new. Yeah, we do things a little. You know, that was a that was an opportunity where where cliched shows we do things a little differently here on Deep Space Nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm glad they didn't say that. Do that. Yeah, I'm glad. Oh they boy, didn't. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find things are a little grayer here on. <laughs> Deep Space Nine in this Star Trek that we are not on since we stay here. Or just say something like, you're not on the Enterprise anymore, Mr. Worf. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of rubbing it in since it just blew up. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. That was my home. Nobody is on it anymore. Roddy McDowell blew up your enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I liked all of the taking, like even the the stuff with Ducat. Like Ducat, like this this episode has too much stuff. It's like a Ritman sampler with only the good shit. <laughs> like right. Ducat is in this. There's good Ducat shit in this episode. There's good. Ducat's there's, fantastic du- as usual. Yes, and the yeah. Ducat Garrett scene was just. Kiss your fingers, you know, perfect. Oh, yeah. Where they have to fight side by side. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Garrick shows up and is like, oh, you think you're going to talk to the council and maybe get, like, in good? I ain't ain't letting you talk to those people because fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) And then Garrick's like, well, fuck you too. I guess I'll fight with you. Yeah. And I like that that, that, that it goes back to the whole sort of Ducat as a survivor. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like a a cockroach because now he's, like, a part of the people's, like, he was a part of the like the oppressive regime, right? Right. That they rebelled against. He's a, he's a political animal. Yeah. He's a political animal first. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cisco even brings it up. He's like, "Oh, so you just went over?" He's like, "Well, you know, it seemed like a good idea at the time, <laughs> but, but now he's got the Klingons coming to kick kill him." But but he's like so well, and, blasé about it, which is kind of funny. His I mean, self confidence is. Is intoxicating. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's he's amazing. so wry about it. No way, not the way that Garrick is either. But yeah, he's just like, no. Well, I thanks for coming. You, your timing is almost Cardassian when the Defiant finally shows up to mm-hmm. save, and they have some awesome spaceship fights. Yeah. So they save the. So basically, now the Klingon invasion of Cardassia is toothless because it's not going to get the. The Tapa Council? The, the real government, yeah. So you're still yeah. going to always have this sort of government in exile. 
So now, like, it's they're isolated, and then I guess they're going to turn around and fire on Deep Space Nine. And so right. everybody. Oh, but even before they, when they go to rescue them for the first time on the show, they, I think we've, we've called it out before where they're like, oh, we'll just take off our full senior staff, get on the Defiant, and go have an adventure. Mm-hmm. And before they go out, it's like, uh, no, Kira, you, I, she wants, I should go with, I wish I could go with you. It's like, yeah, me too, but hey, we need somebody on the station. Yeah. Remember all those times we left it undefended like assholes? But he also kind of he kind of patted out of the shoulder and goes, we've got Worf now. He's the number two on the show. <laughs> <laughs> right. He, he said, well, and see, that's, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. You get left behind, you get stabbed later. You got to wonder if you get more about your future on this, on this show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and it, it probably made them all bring the wood too, man. Like, you know, oh, everybody's yeah. like, everybody, everybody's got to put their nose down and do some good work here. Yeah, right. And then he also runs into Cassidy Yates before he, they go to save Ducat. And yeah, she's wedged in a lot. In this episode. Yeah, but she's so great in those scenes. Yeah, like, she is. A, you know, a, a lesser actor might have been kind of uh, whatever, but. You know. Yeah, there's this moment where I guess that there's like a... And it's the most passionate kiss that Cisco has actually had. Yeah, that's true. Even when he waves fucking Dax and Kira yeah. in the mirror universe. That is true. Uh, yeah, that was that that was that worked. Mm-hmm. And then that look on her face like, yeah, this, this is... You know, it's not like she was saying this isn't going to work, but she was like, this isn't... This yeah, isn't we, really going to happen, bad, is it? Bad timing. It's like, yeah. But it, it, there's sparks there anyway, and he's like... Well, you know what? I don't know. It was almost like Han Solo, Princess Leia banter, where she's like, "Don't get killed." <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, I'll do my best." Yeah, no, that that was good stuff. That that was all of that stuff was no perfect. And is this around the time where the the root beer scene happens? Oh, that's when they're coming back. Yeah, yeah, the root beer scene. We should unpack that a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was actually I I kind of got it mixed up because I mentioned the Garrick. Ducat scene fighting side by side, and the root beer scene happens before that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. That's when they're coming back, and Quark has a whole little talk about his cousin Galen, Gala, that has the moon, and he's like, "Oh, he said weapon." Oh, we we like yeah. the moon talk. <laughs> he's like, "Oh, I should have been into weapons, but you know, I'm a people person. I like to talk to people." And Garrick's like, "Well, okay." So okay, so this story, the this was written, I guess. In the room, and I think it was written by Robert Hewitt Wolf, who I believe wrote the whole episode, right? Or got credit for the whole episode. Oh, I received Bear and Robert Hewitt Wolf. Mm-hmm. But I think it was written by the end by Robert, Robert Hewitt Wolf, or maybe it was tacked on by Ronald E. Moore. So Armin Shimmerman and Andrew Robinson believed it was like this really great scene, which it is a really great scene. I mean, it's probably the most famous just straight clip from Deep Space Nine. Right. Yeah. I mean, it. it's like the best encapsulation of the Federation to an outsider, you know? Yeah. If you're going to write like a, I mean, like if you were going to write a term paper about the Federation and then they're standing in the universe in this galaxy on the show, like this scene would be mentioned as a, as a pivotal sort of yeah, yeah. scene. And also it's a, just a pivotal scene about a, a hegemony, a cultural hegemony period, you know, about like other, like I'm sure that Europe over the last 60 years has felt this way about America or could say similar things about America and, Stuff like that, so where you know that you're not of their culture, but you're having to like you're always inundated by their culture. <laughs> Mickey and, Mouse, Coca Cola, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you start to end up liking it or adopt. You know, it, it becomes a part of your culture. It's so cloying and yeah. sweet and happy. And, and there's and there's a part of you that's revulsed by it, and a part of you that doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's a really like a 
like an important key scene. Well, apparently the director just thought it was funny. It was just a joke scene, and he wanted them just to hurry up and play the jokes. Oh my god! He, yeah, I know. They had, the I actors know. had to explain the the importance of it to the. <laughs> well, like, no, we've had. There's been a lead up. We've already mentioned root beer a few times in the series. It's not like this came out of nowhere. Even they've yeah. even talked about root beer as being like indicative of what the Federation is previously. So Armin Shimmerman shut down the set <laughs> until he could get a call on it, and so they get to call Iris Stephen Bear. On the set. Whoa. Yeah, and make him go it. it because they were like, no, this scene is... Hey, Armin Schirmer was like, no, this scene is important. Oh, wow. And so they didn't. And even then they... Uh, and so I received him was like, no, I think... Because he didn't write it. But he was like, I, it's a sub... Yeah, it's got subtext. Like, give it, give, it a, give it some room to breathe. And so the director got overruled. And so he put it into the cut. But each... There was like three... Like, the original cut for this was way too long. Mm -hmm. So they had to cut scenes. So it had to like... They had to fight for it to stay in that cut. And then when it was cut into two episodes for syndication, they had to fight for it to stay. Oh, wow. So, like, that scene, like, it had to, like, fight to be. Yeah. I Uh, mean... So it was... Say what you will about Armin Shimmerman, and you better say nice things because he's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, like... He will cut you, motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah. He will fight for Ferengis, man. (laughs) You know, he, he... I mean, he's a, he's a great advocate for the character and for, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, he, yeah. Yeah, no, and, and like an idea for like, I mean, he's not only like, he's a good advocate for his character, but every actor is a good advocate for their character. Mm-hmm. He's a good advocate for the show and the character in, in the context of the bigger show. Yeah. And so, and yeah, no, I, it just makes me wonder that sometimes like, you know, there's these moments where you're like, and that's where like, I'm, I'm rough on Iris Stephen Bear. But there's times where it was like he really was fighting like a hard, good fight mm-hmm. consist- to make the show consistently good. And most of the times he was on the right side. So, I mean. Yeah, you, you really yo-yo back and forth in your. Uh, well, I, I th- <laughs> yes, I think. Yes, I think he's an artist worth have being. A, he's worth my. He's worthy of my ambivalence. I'll put it that way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like, see, you just did it again. <laughs> So yeah, I, I, I you know, yeah, he's after make- th- we've got three seasons in the can of this show, of our show, <laughs> and I still don't have a good grasp on how you personally feel about Iris Stephen Bear. <laughs> yeah, right. I feel that he's probably. I mean, like lesser men have folded to corporate pressure to make this sh- to to have made this show shittier. Like, let's say Brandon Braga probably <laughs> But yeah. uh in whatever Akiva Goldsman would have done if he's Yeah, yeah. But I'm sorry. so he's fighting the good fight. I sometimes just don't think he's a very good writer. You know, like I like let's put it this way. I like Stephen King a lot. I mean I'm not to compare it's weird to compare the two, <laughs> but like uh, I like Stephen King a lot. I think he's a force for good in literature. I think he's a force for good in, in book publishing. I think he's a Force for good and like entertainment, like theory. I think he's a shit writer a lot of time, <laughs> and like I think he's a lot of wrote just just mountains of shit. So I mean, I think he he's better than a James Patterson, who's just basically shit <laughs> and ruining everything. But he. <laughs> I but what about Dick Francis? James? Dick Francis. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a lot of hard opinions about Dick Francis. <laughs> no, uh, but I think that he, Iris Stephen Bear is a force for good, all told. 
I think like he's got a lot of hack tendencies, but I think his tendencies on shaping and guiding the show, I admire them. And I'm sometimes I'm even in awe of it. And like this episode is a testament to that, where even though he was kind of a dick about like, and I get why they were revulsed about it, but he knew how to spin that into a better episode than they would have had without having been forced Michael Dorn and a Klingon plotline. So yeah, no, I, I, I mean, this could have been season three of Enterprise, mm. you know. Oh, and I don't and, know. I, I never, I never watched it. Well, Hugh has, and he knows what I mean. <laughs> this could have been, yeah. This could have oh, been season three yeah. of Enterprise, and it's not. It's is the best season. I mean, maybe I don't know. I, I don't know, but it's one of the best seasons. Yeah, it's pretty great. This is uh-huh. the best season so far, and <laughs> yep. And they took notes on, and and how that, and that's shaped because I was Stephen Bayer, and I don't doubt that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Robert, Ronald D. Moore and Robert Hewitt Wolf and all of these, you know, they got a lot of talent, but he's leading the talent. So, but on the other hand, you'd rather have Robert, you'd rather have Ronald D. Moore writing the episode than I receive a, I receive a bear fighting to get that episode realized, I, I think, than, than him writing the episode. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I stand right now. All right. Well, let's let's kind of plow through the this episode because I think I want to kind of get to the end so we could talk about where it's going. Okay. I mean, basically, yeah. there's a huge battle, and it's kind yeah. of cool because we get to see that the station isn't uh, toothless. No, they mm-hmm. they set up like they, they, from they, the beginning. They're almost like Cisco's almost like Batman with his level of preparation. Yes. Yeah, well, they've been setting up for the Dominion coming in, and even at early on, I mean, they've been running drills for with guard, looking for mm-hmm. changelings, and then they've been talking about all these upgrades, and Cassidy Yates even says, whoa, upgrades, and he's like, you can't tell me about that, can you? And Cisco's like, no, actually, no, I can't. But then they get chased back from rescuing the Deptapa Council and Dukat. They're being chased. The cloak is... Not working anymore, so they're chased back by these two ships. Um, they have the root beer scene. Then uh, the two ships are like, oh, we're going to blow you up. And then, then the whole fleet of Klingons show up, and they're going to you know, attack the station. And Cisco gets to be a badass. It's like, are you sure you want to do that? Because uh, I got like 5,000 photon torpedoes on here. And they're like, bullshit. And <laughs> That's a great scene, by the way. You got Galron. Yeah. I mean, we haven't even talked about how cool Galron is, but that's fine. We don't have time. But Galron and Martok, and they're like, bullshit, this has got some sort of scanning yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, oh, it's so great. And it's like, that's just, just Thorion fields and Duranium <laughs> shadows. And then and he's like, you can do it. And like, all right. And then he's like, I probably butchered that, our Klingon listeners. Yes. But I think you know what I just said. <laughs> Today is a good day to die. Yes. And then they start a fight. They start a fight, and uh, and and it, and it goes on, and it's 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 kind of near perfect. Kira gets shanked. Yeah. Uh, Bashir should have got like I feel like they were setting up a good Bashir shanking. Well, because yeah, with him and Odo, and he's like Odo's like I'm gonna put security here, and Bashir's like please don't do that because yeah. I don't need all these fighters coming in when I'm trying to do my shit. Yeah. Yeah. There's like good stuff. Odo's like, you, it shows Odo's preparedness. He's like, you know, that they're going to do a lot. Of, so be prepared for a lot of, you know, like how they're going to fight and all of this stuff. It's really, it's, it's good stuff. Yeah. Lots of two handed punches flying. Yes. Lots of that. There's going to be a lot of lacerations coming in and yeah. 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 And so it's a lot of really good stuff. Yeah. You're like a toothless Krishna cat <laughs> trying to frighten <laughs> you with your roar. <laughs> 
so I okay. like that. No, it has oh toothless. God. We have Klingons are so like I love Klingons. Yeah, so they much. just yell all the time, and it's great. Yeah, I, I I have a real affinity for Klingons to to, to an absurd degree. So oh uh, yeah, Court uh, has is going to defend the bar with his disruptor, but Rom stolen the parts to fix the replicators. <laughs> that's a funny. Yeah, that's a funny bit. That's actually a, like yeah. that's a time where like like Quark shenanigans was was like like. It's like yeah, a well yeah. done. Like, yeah, everything here that I feel like that we would have critiqued or bitched about in another episode was sort of modulated pitch perfectly here. Like, I can't think of an off note from, I mean, every character gets a little, gets their moments throughout the show. None of them are off notes. It's, it's good. They fight them back and then they go like, do you really want the empire to lose? Yeah. You know, destroying an empire is to win a war is no victory. Yeah. I think that was there. There was a little bit of an easy out. There at the end, it kind of wrapped up because there's the Klingons. Yeah, they're so adventure shows up. They're a little, they're a little tenacious. The the Klingons are so for Garon to let go of the bone so easily. Yeah. Well, and Martok's pissed. They, I think they could have tight, tightened it. Up. They could have tightened it up a little bit with showing how strategically out, outmatched he was, and they did do a good job at the end of showing how they're still the bad guy of the series of like. Of the season, ostensibly. Yeah, mean, yeah, right. Yeah, like oh, the yeah, they've gone back to the old ways of expanding or dying for the empire. And I like that they did it with. I mean, it would have been easier to just have like them elect Klingon Trump. Yeah, and like just abandon. But no, it's that it is Galron. It is the the the, the characters you've grown to love from TNG. That are leading this sort of mindlessness. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since taking office, Galron's been golfing every weekend, and while, the, while, while this campaign's been going on, yes, um, no, but he's angry Klingon twittering like in the mornings, like for dumb right. reasons. Right, Galron <laughs> Jack He's, a, Sorry, he's no. attacking. He's attacking the president of Vulcan for no reason on Twitter. Well, <laughs> he did. He, well, he did pull out of the Kittermer court in this episode. <laughs> yeah, he That's does. True. He does yeah. do that, and he uh, he he was elected to be the he was elected make, to be make, the emperor of Klingon Pittsburgh, not yeah, make, right? He wanted to make Kronos great again. I yes. that that was his whole thing. He drained the swamp, got rid of all the corruptness in the council, <laughs> restored you know law and order, the honor of wharfs. Yeah, so basically, the Moog, the house of Moog. Basically, Gowron is the worst. <laughs> yeah, but he's the best. But he's got the greatest bug-eyed actor ever. I love that guy so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that guy is the best. His delivery is, <laughs> it goes from being like, just like hysterical. And then they got Bob, like like a Mako from Conan. But also yes. at times it's almost, it, it's at times it's almost reflective of the original series, the way that Klingons talked. Yeah. You're right. You know, sometimes the Mako from, uh, from Conan. But yeah, you're right on that. I also love that his forehead... Yeah. Ending a battle to save an empire is no defeat. I also love that his forehead is like three clean clitorises. Like, <laughs> well, I didn't like notice that. <laughs> like, he's got like this... He's got this very unique <laughs> forehead to, to the Klingons. And it, the way it couples with his bug eyes and his small <laughs> face, it's like a, he's so perfect. I love everything about it. And then you have Martok, who's like the sort of like the... I think like what you want like the perfect Klingon to look like. Yeah. Like where he's cut up on the lips and his teeth are all like crooked and like he's perfect. And um, yeah, yeah, there's a there is a continuity I mean, thing with Martok that I don't want to talk about. I'll probably talk about in a year and a half. But with the. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, okay, yeah. No. But oh, um, don't Jesus we can cut that Christ. out. <laughs> what? I'm just saying. James, James, what I'm just saying that there's a continuity who's... error. 
but you're right. Cut Let's it see. out. Wow. Cut it out. I'm not, cut it out. I'm not saying. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. But um, everything about like the Klingons, and we finish it up, and then we can talk about the broader points. Okay. Yeah. So they repel the borders, and then Cisco has a captain's log. It's nice to hear him be just to hear him do not a commander's log. Just kind of warms the cockles of my heart. Yeah. Everybody got promotions. Bashir got promoted, and Jadzia got promoted. Oh, really? Yeah. They're now both lieutenant commanders. Oh, okay, I did notice that. And Worf, and Worf was promoted to, to commander even before, right? No. He, he wasn't a commander at the end of TNG. He was a lieutenant commander in this. No, no, no. He's got, the, well, he's he's got that, that, that famous scene in the movie where they're on the ship and they promote him, remember? They're on the old-timey nautical ship and they, they have him walk the plank and get him. Don't you remember oh, that? Wasn't he like yes. lieutenant? He was lieutenant Worf then, right? He's lieutenant commander. Pre the walk in the yeah, plane. He's lieutenant Pre walking Worf, the and now he's lieutenant commander Worf. Right. Well, he's promoted at the end of this episode too, right? No, he just switches to command. Strategic. Operational to command. Yes, yeah, strategic. Yeah. He has a new job. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. a new job, but he's still a lieutenant commander. He's the strategic operations officer, which is a command position as opposed to a uh, whatever the yellow is yeah which is what yeah uh, sanitary worker yeah yeah yeah, the yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. <laughs> so which he was by the way he was command in the first season too yes oh right Sorry. of T- then yeah. he took tasha yar's job yeah he was uh, right 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 yeah which was a dead dead end like we're <laughs> yeah. out he yeah like why would you go from <laughs> red to yellow man yeah, that's it's, where it's, command is where it's at starfleet guidance counselor should have told him O'Brien's that o'brien's got yeah. yellow he ain't going nowhere uh, well, well I, o'brien can you can you be even red O'Brien's literally at, at its biggest position. Yes. This, this whole episode where you talk about, we're, we're basically, the whole thrust of this first episode, other than introducing the new character stuff, is to highlight how like fear and paranoia can break up strong friendships and partnerships mm-hmm. and how terrorism basically can divide people. <laughs> it's a strangely... Precedent, so that's what I'm saying. That's, that's, that's right. what I'm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That it's not relatable to anything going on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so I don't know why I'm supposed to care about these space right. crap. No, you're right. You pull, you, you, yeah, you pull out like, of one accord, and then all of a sudden, your longtime ally is no longer your longtime <laughs> ally, and you have a disagreement about how to keep everything secure from terrorism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're going back to making the empire great again. Chronos great. Yeah, because yeah. I mean they're they're going back to the old ways. They're expand or die. They've got colonies at the end of this episode, which they're not relinquishing. Which is almost like I don't like. I mean, it's not a we got we caught. It's not a Palestinian Israeli thing, but they're not succeeding the territory that they gained in the war mm-hmm. in this this very you know like a two day invasion. They're they they're not giving up their land. So. They're here to stay, and then, like, I guess the Klingons are here to stay then. Yes, and so are we. Dun, dun, dun. Into bed. Yeah. Like, uh, I think that it, I don't know, like, I, I wasn't prepared for how emotional and, like, what piggybacking on what he was saying. I don't think I was prepared for, like, because when I first watched it, that wasn't something on my mind. No. <laughs> but when you watch it now, and you're watching, like, when, uh, when Worf makes those faces about his country going in this oh, ridiculous... Yeah. Yes. And then he feels like that he's had to like to actively root for like, I don't like thinking that Germany's the best country in the world. (laughs) You know, I'm not I've never been like mindlessly jingoistic about America, but, you know, it is 
it is my home. It's where I keep my stuff. Yeah, it was <laughs> like, nice well, when like, we were like, as much as as much as much what? as I enjoyed this episode for Star Trek reasons. It was gut churning that third act. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit. Yeah. It you know and it, you know and I was trying to think about what was going on geopolitically in 1995 that would make all of this you know jibe. Well, but I can't. I can't. I can't. The. Uh, Gross domestic product was up. I don't know. Like, I don't, you know, <laughs> yeah. those were the salad days. OJ? Yeah, uh, I, uh, yeah, that was when we could talk about OJ for two years. But I mean. Like, no, like literally. We just didn't have secret cells of, I mean, we had that first World Trade Center attack in 93. And it didn't shake us to our core because it was unsuccessful. You know. Yeah. No, but so, I mean. And then. I don't know. It, it's just. Yeah, that's when we had like militia terrorists, like Oklahoma City and well, stuff. Well, that was 1996 um, that, the, that the Oklahoma City bombing. So it was like, but even before that, it was like a weird oh, true, in between. Yeah. Okay. It was a weird in between, is what I'm saying. Yeah, it was. You're right. And I don't think, I think they were just sort of piggybacking on the way civilizations warred in the past. Right, but right know, now. I, it, I mean, you could also say that. This was the time period where J.R.R. Martin was writing. George R.R. Martin was George Railroad Martin, yes. Lord of the Ice and Fire. Lord of the, yeah, started writing Game of Thrones. And so, like, these sort of complicated, like, I think that it was just people looking back on history. And now, like, now it's living. We're on the verge of We're all Worf right now. We want to quit Starfleet, but we can't. We're all Worf. We are all Worf. Yeah. And so I do feel like that. I think I want to, like, turn this into, like, a... Why Why does Worf make this show better? Because he's got a vulnerability. To me, he does. Because he has got a vulnerability that's believable. And he's got, like, the burden of... he's got He's carrying some sort of burden around that you know the audience can feel and the burden of duty i guess is what it what it is yeah in a way that nobody else in starfleet yeah they all they're all duty bound but it's not they don't wear it like worth right well he's yeah it's all tied up in cultural honor and other stuff i guess right he's got duty but he's also got duty i mean to his people he's federation but he's you know he's still klingon which is weird because they're not technically part of the Federation, but he is. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's str- like you were saying before, he straddles that feet in both two worlds so much better than Spock ever did, and he's not even half and, human. And he does it better than Odo does. Really. Yeah. And I think that a lot of that is that Rene Auberjan was straddled by the fact that the Dominion aren't an, like a, an attractive species the way the Klingons are. Right. right. Like people dress up like Klingons. I like, like I love Klingons. I don't, I don't, you don't see like when you go to these, I'm sure when you go to Star Trek cons, you don't see people dressed in that pink velour, like <laughs> yeah. or changelings. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, like man, nobody you talk about to... a monoculture. They're literally. <laughs> right. It's just one big, yes. w- one big pool of goo. They all look, they all look like everybody looks like Eric Trump. <laughs> yeah. Oh um, my God. <laughs> Even the yeah. women. Though um, Odo does have a nice little scene where he calls out to Worf their similarities and how he, he gets that, his yes. struggle. But yeah. And I like that too. Yeah. And I like then it shows that Odo's like a that Odo isn't as of his I mean, he's got a this sort of innate longing to go back to that, but he's not like like, you know, Worf does the the rituals. He does like the Muay Thai every morning or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And that, and, and that he is such a, I like that he's such a tourist of his own culture. 
Yeah. And that is always such an interesting thing to me. And then he was like... No, I feel like he's more integrated into his own culture in Deep Space Nine at this point than he ever was. Yeah, no, but he is he, he is a lot like a... I, I don't know, I don't... I, like a like a white African-American studies professor. <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, like, he's very educated, but there's something about him that... I, I like that about him that 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 he can be a part of, and now that with with installing Garon in that he is back to being like in good graces so he does fit better he does sort of code shift better to the Klingon right. culture but is he but, is he back on now, the outs now because Garon has his whole yeah, like, yeah. you know like a mute mute to block <laughs> one last chance to redeem yourself <laughs> you have nothing <laughs> they put him back at my honor <laughs> <laughs> it does go back out on the outs. It does, it, you know, he still has to deal with Alexander, not his son, not being uh, yeah. like too into the Klingon culture. And he marries like a outlander. So like, uh, er, spoilers. Okay, whatever. But um, like, you know, so there is that, you go back to that as Worf as an outsider, but it just seems like, I don't know if it's because it's Ronald D. Moore writing it or because Michael Dorn has been playing the role now for eight years, nine years. And, and, you know, it is obviously it's defined as like yeah. Michael Dorn is the guy who played. Yeah, well, Wolf. his, his Twitter handle is AKA Wharf. So, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 I mean, he. So, yeah, he's bought in. More than Leonard Nimoy was Spock. I mean, at least Leonard Nimoy wrote songs about uh, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> well, uh, well I don't know if those really uh, give him. <laughs> it was the, more than Michael Dorn has outside of Warp. No, Michael Dorn was the voice of uh, the Gargoyle. One. Gargoyles, yes. So was um his. Uh, so was uh, Riker. Was it Riker there? And so, uh, but I was going Deanna Troy. No, Riker. Oh, yeah, probably so, Riker but, directed some of those episodes. I think. <laughs> of course he did. But I think Deanna Troy is a voice actor on some Marina of those. Surtis. I think Riker's a She's voice actor. I think gargoyles. yeah. I think they parted out Star Trek Next Generation for Gargoyles. Yeah, yeah you can get that gig yeah. if you were Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Star Trek. That gag gig is open to you. But yeah. I, I don't know. So from now on, like, I, I'll just tell the, the listening public that as much as I've been as hard on Bashir, even when it's probably undeserved. Well, I no, will no, probably no, no, be no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 Michael no, no, I want, I'm saying that I want to turn this on. It's not uh, undeserved. I, I'm going to make the argument that it's not undeserved. <laughs> maybe not. We know how you, <laughs> you okay. yeah, okay. like, well, can we say Dax? I've been hard on Dax when it, maybe it was undeserved. Mm, yeah. I'm going to be, it's probably, and I want to, I want everyone to keep me on my toes on this too. I think I'm going to be as soft on Michael Dorn as possible and i don't want that so call me out on that like bring bring it but because i don't but like i really do love this character probably yeah I, i'm i'm worried that i love this character more than is warranted by the content that might be true <laughs> but, but it might be true but but uh, it's hard to find michael dorn haters yeah in, in the world that's true there's <laughs> not a lot of that but uh, as of right now i mean like this is uh, uh I'm, I'm excited i'm very excited and there's shows like the next show is like it's like, oh, uh, like nobody's in it. Most, yeah, yeah. A lot of people's favorite episode too. Yeah, like and none of like none of the shit. Yeah, like it has nothing to do with Michael Dorn or any of this shit. So it's not they don't Urkel this show. He's now in the soup. He's not the soup. So, but it is um it is welcome and it, and it and it and I think it. You're right. I think it just adds. It adds. Uh, the same thing that Odo's going through, the same thing that Kira, like there's a lot of these things that he mirrors, but he doesn't detract from their growth either. And that, that I like a lot. Yeah. 
So. All right. Well. Yeah, and I do like that it. Eh, we're gonna be SJW about it. I do like that you have these two co-leads of the show that are that are black men. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I thought about that too. Yeah. And that you get to see them act against each other in a show that's not a the, a haven for black men and black culture. Right. And I think that you that it brings a lot. I mean, obviously one of them's playing not a black man, playing a Klingon, but there is a lot of that that it, that it's just sort of a, a seasoning to watch that it doesn't turn it into, you know, it's not like Bruce Boxleitner arguing with Michael Bean. It's not like two vaguely good looking military white guys. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Arguing about duty. Like it, it gives a different, it, re- it does. And it's, it's, it's to sci-fi. It's part of what makes the show stand out and like hold up a better, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, just, well, I mean, it's mainly the quality of the show, but you know, yeah, it's not. Oh. Yeah, if the writing wasn't there, the yeah, writing yeah, wasn't yeah. there. It would be horrible. But the writing is there, and yeah, it just this, it, it colors it colors the show differently. It's a bad way of phrasing. It gives it. A, I don't know. It's 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 welcome. Good grief! Good grief, Wade. <laughs> and I, think, <laughs> I didn't mean. I meant tonally. Oh <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> I will cut that. But for uh, for for all for all future references, I do think that Bruce Boxleitner is probably the most blankest white male. Okay, and well, on all of sci-fi. By now, we've so, probably uh, posted at least one one off escape pod on just. Babylon Five calls. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, probably. Okay, so I forgot Bruce. I, I was looking at Bruce Boxleitner and other things. <laughs> but yeah, all right, all right. Yeah, we've gone a little bit long, but this is a two-part, one-hour episode. So <laughs> this episode, yeah, I, I feel like we're justified. <laughs> all right, so you guys want to get into what you think the uh, good folks of IMDb rate this? Oh wait, I found I oh, found it's... another uh, couplet because oh, okay. it's two episodes. Ah, yeah, it's. Worf is a master of Klingon martial arts. Just don't ask him to join you for a game of darts. Womp womp. Because remember when he threw the dart and it like went into the board and it short circuited? That, that was great. Do you want to cite <laughs> where you're getting those? Remember that? That was great. Wasn't it? Oh, that's from. Do you want to um, cite that? Like, uh, we may have mentioned it or may or not. This is a. Uh, we're told not to cite it. Yeah, we? this is a friend of the show. Go to just twitter.com Star Trek couplet. <laughs> And you can find it. All right. Uh, okay, I, I'm going to shoot the moon on this. So uh, I'm going to go. Cine Fantastique called this the second best episode of Deep Space Nine. Star Trek 101 called it the 10 best episodes of Deep Space Nine. So I'm going to go that it is 9.6. Oh. Oof. Okay, maybe, maybe you're shooting the moon. <laughs> yeah, uh, like, oh shit. Maybe no, I'm, maybe. Okay, if we're gonna do I'm, nine, I said it now. I'm, just nine. I'm gonna go eight point nine. You you go nine. I go eight point nine. Nine point one. You made me go up. All right, where <laughs> are you? Okay, um, there is nine hundred and eighty five votes on this. Damn. Which is, I mean, that means that some people who never vote go out and like sign up for an IMDb account mm. just so they could vote on this particular episode. <laughs> Uh, nine. It's a nine point uh-huh. even. Oh. Nine point oh. Right in the middle of our. <laughs> so, son of a bitch. If you, if you, the good, the good listeners of the rules of acquisition, feel that that's low, uh, go ahead and uh, vote on IMDb and get that that rating Bump it up, up there. to nine point one, so I win these prizes. Yeah. If you give it the old uh, rules of acquisition bump, yeah. And if you think it's high, you know, fuck you, man. <laughs> right. like, yeah, what, like, who are you? <laughs> give us your criteria for why you hate joy. Yes. Okay. Uh, the next episode uh, that we'll be watching is The Visitor, which is 
every bit as loved as this episode starring the great uh candy man what's his name who's also Worf's brother tony todd the uh amazing tony todd it's almost like all tony todd isn't it yeah for the most part i mean everybody else has kind of like cameos but shit's good yeah yeah it's this we're this is good. This is why we make this podcast, guys. Yep. All right. All right. Uh, I don't know if we'll have time for I don't whatever think. we're calling this other segment. But, yeah, uh, I don't I don't think Just cuck. He said, Today is a good day to die. All right. Uh, hello again, and welcome to uh, whatever it is we call this segment. And we kick off, I believe, season four. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shit just got real. Shit just got better. Yeah. Uh, but you've already heard us talk about it. So I guess you know. I don't know. So, yes, welcome to us, our nocturnal goo emissions or. Uh, that's not what we're calling it. <laughs> or just voicemails and emails. Sure. For now. Okay, yeah. We For today. Incense of peppermint. <laughs> yeah. Needles I... and pins, incense and peppermint. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, we've got some stuff to hear from you guys. First off, I've got, yeah, well, I guess, hey, what, why, do I, why, do, why do I got to explain everything? Maybe we just say, hey, here's a voicemail, and we just jump into it. And we don't have to talk for, about it for a while. Maybe that's a new thing I can do. How's that sound? Sounds good, man. <laughs> right. You have my support. Hi, uh, this is Nippon from Virginia. Um, I've listened to the podcast for a long time now, and I'm a big fan of you guys. I got into Star Trek DS9 back in college, and I really liked it because it was a very... They, they had episodic adventures but there was still like a running plot throughout the whole thing which eventually built up and escalated um my question is about a different show actually um two of the actors from ds9 uh penny gerald who is playing who played Cassie yates and brian george who played uh bashir's dad are going to be in a new show called the orville by seth mcfarlane i think it's going to be funny i i like the idea of a comedic take on Star Trek in like a TV show format. So I just wanted to ask if you guys had seen the trailer or if you had any opinions about the show. I'm actually more excited about the Orville than I am about Star Trek Star Trek Discovery at the moment. So just let me know what you think. Have a nice one. Uh well, I think that I think we're all three of us are kind of on board for the Orville, right? Yeah, yeah. I have a I have a love-hate relationship with Seth MacFarlane. I've spent most of my too. life hating him, yeah. and like I mostly hate. Yeah, yeah. I, but like he seems like a sensible man in real life. Yeah, yeah. and then like you know, like I don't know, he funded Cosmos, Cosmos. which was like yeah. I thought it was an amazing thing. Cosmos is actually great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he, I don't know what to do now. But the he, show looks. Be- did he create the Orville, or is he just starring in it? He created. He's a big Star Trek fan, which is yeah. Well, he was in Enterprise. He's a canon character in Enterprise. Oh, oh that's true. That is true. Yeah, he is. But mm-hmm. he he's a big you know he's a big science he's a Carl Sagan nerd. He's a big science fiction guy, I guess. Apparently, so he wants to do right by the Orville. Yeah. And not make it just a Family Guy, I think. Well, it's got so I mean, it's got an amazing cast. It's got Cuddy mm-hmm. from The Wire. 
It's got the girl who played Mockingbird on the Agents of Shield. I think it, she oh, was also uh, yeah. She, she was, was a, also from the Wonder Woman a, TV show. That she was a Wonder Woman. Yeah, she's so, the kiss of death for TV shows. <laughs> yeah, Polish. So yeah, well, yeah. No, the Agents of Shield's still on. She's they, she's not on it. But they did spin her. I felt so bad. They took her off the show. The spin a mockingbird solo show that didn't get out of pilot. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's that's what I meant. So it's like they packaged. A, that's a good way to. I mean, I'm not saying they did this, but that's a really good way to kick someone off the show. Yeah, right. Friday Night Lights. She was on that. She's great. That's a great. Oh, show. really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, okay. I think, so I, yeah. that's a great show that I haven't watched. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A, a much loved show that I haven't watched. The cast looks great. The trailer looked great. It looks more more Star Trek than Star I mean, Trek. Discovery went dark. Yes, shit. And so seeing the Orville not do that, and also see it not look so cheap as it could have. Oh yeah, yeah. Like it looks. Yeah, it looks like that they threw they threw some money behind this. Yeah, it, it doesn't yeah. look like Red Dwarf. Sorry, nerds. It looks appropriately cheap. <laughs> yeah, but it looks appropriately cheap. It doesn't look like it's all like right, like right, dark, unfun, like. Yeah, it's yes. it's on yeah. Fox, which has a great track record for sci-fi shows <laughs> <laughs> and keeping and keeping good sci-fi shows on the air. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, uh, but the X Files, no, yeah, <laughs> Fringe got five seasons. Yeah, but people are still butt hurt over uh, Firefly. But whatever, it's fine. Yes, always butt hurt over Firefly. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm I am excited. I am. I am. I, I'm. I'm looking forward to it. I'm not super optimistic about either one of these ventures. <laughs> But uh, I did see a trailer in my Spider-Man Homecoming. When I saw that, they did have a trailer for... Discovery. They have a new trailer. Discovery. Right? Yes. And it, it looks... Oh, there's a new Discovery trailer. Huh? Yeah. It looked... I mean, it's it's basically... I mean, it's it's not it's not a lot of new... It's not a full new thing. But it is... Uh, it, it looks like it's interesting. It does look like they get into like... Uh, the trailer gets into the prime directive shit oh. which is what i'm always interested in is like fuck like you know we don't fire first maybe we don't fire first like what are you fucking ridiculous we need to like that kind of thing so yeah so it gets because i i think maybe i hate the prime directive <laughs> no i think that the show is like yeah kind of kind of like is the prime directive truly operable seemed to be the theme of the trailer hmm. so uh, but oh yeah. but th- we're talking about the orville well, yes. but in contrast, well, to versus yeah, yeah, yeah. yes about discovery. No, he yeah. did, yeah, yeah. He's more excited about the Orville than Discovery. I'm, I'm still more. If Jonathan Frakes is directing both now, or what? <laughs> Frakes, this is later. This, this is the later Frakes boom. Well, yeah, he's definitely. They just announced a week or two ago that Frakes will be directing Discovery, and I feel like they already brought him on to do like an episode or two of the Orville. But you know, I completely trust him and his directing he directed first contact and i think that your favorite and first contact is well let's not first contact i don't want to like spend a bunch of time on first contact but that's like a major motion picture blockbuster that was looked great and was in theaters and it didn't look like murder she wrote i mean it's like (laughs) it's a you know legitimate yeah you like that more than con which is right but didn't he also direct Insurrection, which does look like Mercy? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know if I don't know the Insurrection. I saw Insurrection once in the theater, and like when I left the theater, I haven't thought about Insurrection. Yeah, I thought you were talking about Nemesis for a second. Like no, but you know better than that. Uh, no, we don't yeah, talk. Yeah, yeah. We don't that's, talk about that. Oh, sore spot. That's, uh, uh, that's, that's the he shoot that sh- shall be not be named as Nemesis. On this <laughs> All right. So thank you for the call. What do we got next? Uh, all right. Let's see. What do we have next? 
All right. Yeah. And here we have a voicemail from another friend of the podcast, Pluto Burns. All right. Yeah. Okay. Hi, fellas. It's Pluto Burns again. I'm calling about the opener to season four. I actually haven't gotten there yet in like real time, but I've watched it ahead and I'm just, oh my God, I love that episode so much. Um, there's a whole bunch of little stuff, but most of it, I just want to talk about how amazing Michael Dorn is. Mm -hmm. Um, the character of Worf was kind of wasted on the next generation. Like, uh, unless his son was around or, you know, they were doing some, uh, off the ship Klingon shit. Michael Dorn was, he, he got nothing good to work with, but then they put him on Deep Space Nine and it's like, oh my God, everyone knows exactly what to do with this grumpy old curmudgeon. And I love watching him throughout the show. It's great. And I, oh my God, it's so amazing. I love seeing him out of makeup in that one weird 1950s episode. But, and I love watching him interact with Odo. Oh my God. <laughs> ah, it's so good to have him on the show. Yeah, no. Uh, I guess, I guess this will be airing on Way of the Warrior. Probably. Yeah, I I, I liked it. Like, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. See, uh, I don't think it's spoilers since it's airing with it, but yeah, we really yeah, like so. that one too. It is spoilers to mention episodes coming on later, but you know, <laughs> he's out of makeup at yeah. one point. Whatever. <laughs> but uh, Michael Dorn is the best. He's just I I I love Worf. You you heard me earlier in this podcast how much I love Worf. So I will I will refrain and go. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. We yeah. You, you, you love Michael Dorn, right? Yeah, I, I, okay. I, okay. yeah, uh, you should just <laughs> sorry, rewind sorry, and listen to what I said earlier in the podcast. <laughs> sorry, to, I didn't mean to attack you. I just, yeah, just wanted... no, no, I, yeah, I'm here and I'm, I'm here for Michael Dorn too. I think that I kind of think that he's not wasted in Star Trek Next Generation. I kind of take it a little. A little exception to that because they do have a long storyline, a few <laughs> long like long wharf storylines. And those are like there are some characters. Yeah. There are some characters that don't get long storylines. Beverly Crusher, but Worf is one of them that did. So I, I, but I see. I get his larger point. He's not. He's, he's not utilized in, well in episodes that aren't about Worf and Kling and. That's not about Alan Moore, or right. not Alan Moore, <laughs> Alan Moore. Alan Moore wrote really great TNG episodes. Did about you know Ronald that the that the Knights Templar and the Freemasons <laughs> are at the heart of Section Thirty One? Uh, spoilers, <laughs> wait. If you map all of the Section Thirty One places, it forms a pentagram that has a lot to do with uh, Kabbalah's <laughs> magic yep. and, and Alistair yeah, Crowley. Yeah. Yep, all our fans definitely get these references. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, Ronald. Ronald D. Moore, although uh, like all of Worf not in Ronald D. Moore episodes in TNG are are a little mm. shut up, Worf. I, I see what he's pointing. I mean, yeah. that first season, <laughs> it's all Worf. No, Worf, no. I, I, <laughs> and the last season's him in this ill-fated, bad idea relationship with uh, yeah. Troy. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Let's take the two most least likely characters and make them <laughs> fall in love. Yes, I, I, I think that. Yeah. Even though it actually happened, I think it would probably be the least shipped couple in Star Trek. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right. Well, that's that. That's all of our calls. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. yeah. So before we go, you can, again, give us a call at 917-408-3898. Let us know how you feel about, you know, whatever. <laughs> if it's not applicable, we won't air it. Uh, give us an email us at rules of acquisition podcast at gmail.com mm -hmm. and do all the other stuff. 
Y'all have anything to plug? Go ahead, James. I, I'm going to plug, uh, I like fidget cubes more than fidget spinners. That's something I've discovered in mm. life. I also have a YouTube page, but it's not much, it's nothing new going on there right now. So I feel like weird directing people to go see something that I've talked about like for eight episodes now. <laughs> but yeah, for, Forever James is on YouTube. Go see it if you haven't heard the site. I have a weekly comic strip. You can find it at www.crimesagainsthughesmanities.tumblr.com. If that's too long, just type it in the Google machine and you will find it. <laughs> it's at https <laughs> colon forward slash forward slash backslash backslash. backslash. Oh, I always get those confused. Sorry, let me go back. HTTP. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Crimes Against Humanities. Look it up. I almost want to, like, I, whenever you, someone, when you say, what's that website? And they say www. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, just, <laughs> are we back in 1998? You haven't had to say that yet. Right. Is, is, it on, is it on the World Wide Web? No, it's on the internet. Internet 2. Like, no, like of course. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, yes. That's basically, yeah. So but they're good comments. Yeah. Go look at them. <laughs> anyway, thanks again for listening to the Rules of Acquisition. We will see you next week. Three to beam out. Lieutenant Commander Worf reporting for duty, sir. Well, you all know our new strategic operations officer. Boop. Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes. They will play them on air and try to be nice to you, because one day they hope to sell you Blue Apron snacks and underwear made out of Modal. The number is 917-408-3898. That number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are. That is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that. James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication. We know you love that. Again 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.